Welcome to Leadership Unleashed. Today's leaders must be experts in emotional intelligence, the art of persuasion, and masters of motivation. Each week, you'll hear hints and tips to help you develop confidence, build your identity, and your skills as a leader. Here's your host, authentic leadership expert, Leslie Hunter. Hi, and welcome to the show. There's a regular saying that an Englishman's home is his castle. Well, today I'm talking to the castle man who, first of all, was brought up in Belfast, Northern Ireland, so we're not exactly English, and secondly, is being a little bit greedy because it's not just one castle. I've checked out your website, Mr. Castleman, and you've got over 90 unique, diverse castles across the United Kingdom, Ireland, and France. So, Celtic Castles, the Castleman, a business founded in 1998. I'm going to be talking to somebody who has been an entrepreneur for over 17 years. So, welcome. I'm delighted to welcome Roger Masterson. Thank you very much, Leslie. And um, can I just say, I love your weekly leadership tips. Oh, thank you. They'll treat when they enter my mail. (laughs) Thank you for those. Yes, now, these these kind of just sneak in, don't they, to the mailbox once a week. Yeah, yeah. So, Roger, let's be up front with everybody from the start. We do know each other. We Mm -hmm. have actually been part of um, a mastermind group together. And I think we'll talk about mastermind and and what that does and what it means later. And we've actually, as a consequence, done some work together. Yes? We we have indeed. And that stemmed from the mastermind group. Um, And it's probably linked to the way I look at collaboration and bringing people together. Right. I want to pick up on that and talk about that because I think that's a, a, a huge area for leaders, particularly in, um, in today's high pressure society where, where leaders can feel particularly vulnerable on their own. But Absolutely. before we do that, I mean, Roger, I am fascinated. When I was first introduced <clears throat> to you, somebody said, have you met the castle man? I'll be honest, I expected you in a robe with a broomstick ready to play Quidditch or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't quite sure what to expect. And the, the, the castle man, I mean, where did that come from and how did you get into this business of castles? Well, I, well, I, I got into castles before I became the castle man. And it's quite interesting. Um, the Celtic castles came from a bad customer experience. Right. I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't advert. <laughs> Well, absolutely. But again, you know, we, we, we have some bad experience. We look at a product, it's not quite right. We want to improve it. And that's how we move forward. So for me, it was, I'd seen an advert in the English Times and it was in the classified columns when those existed. And right. it was a small ad that just said Crofts and Castles, telephone number, send off for a brochure. So I sent off for this brochure expecting to have loads of thatched cottages in the far reaches of Scotland. And I was really <laughs> disappointed when it arrived. There, there were no crofts in it at all. It so wait, wait a minute, you're saying crofts. So just so everybody understands, I mean, I know, having been brought up right. in Scotland, what a croft well, is. But... Well, a croft is a little cottage with a thatched roof 
Um, very, very small, but would be very quaint in an idyllic location somewhere in the, in the far reaches of an island somewhere. So it would have been a, a self-catering let where you would go in and um, enjoy the tranquility and beauty okay. of an area. But it was actually filled with bungalows. And a bungalow <laughs> is a, is a one-storey house with a slated roof and not very inspiring at all. But it also had two castles featured. So I suppose they got the castles bit in but really had two castles that you wouldn't have wanted to go and stay in. So as a consumer, I was intrigued with this. And uh, I started to ask myself, how would somebody outside the UK find a castle? And, right. for, and for, 18, or for 18 months, uh, I got every Scottish tourist board brochure from every region in Scotland, and there were 19 at the time, over this 18 month period. So I had about six or seven brochures from each region. Our garage was stacked high. Okay, so, so let, let's get this right. What you're saying is that you could have just basically accepted a situation and then just said, right, whatever, moved on. You didn't. You started asking questions and part of that, that questioning and research was what else is out there? And you, you ended up with a whole series of brochures for other providers for castles, yeah? Well, basically a lot of brochures, but not very many castles within those brochures. Oh. So with, you know, 18 months of brochures from the Scottish Tourist Board regions in Scotland, we were able to find four castles. Only four? Only four, and there are a lot more. There are. <laughs> <laughs> so our, 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 our next step was let's get the brochure and let's have a look at them. And we got the brochure. They weren't necessarily inspiring, but what they did have was photography, history. So we put this on the internet and we put a booking form on. Were and you the first people to do this? Um, we, we'd been involved um, with tourism in Scotland and developed a, a large portal at the time. Um, so we were quite advanced in that respect. So we knew how the tourism and hospitality industry were struggling with marketing online. Um, so we had a little bit of an edge, but we'd never looked at the castle market before. Um, but by putting these castles online, literally instantly, we had a response from New York. Somebody oh. wanted to stay in the castle. Right. So we thought oh my goodness, what do we do? So we picked up the phone, we gave them a call, we said, have you got a room? Yes, it's 100 pounds, we got the details and we emailed this chap back in New York and he simply sent his credit cards back. Oh, and that's a good one. <laughs> and excuse my language, but I quote, I said, shit, what do we do now? <laughs> this is called innovation, this is called Absolutely. innovation. <laughs> this is on the fly, this is let's just get it done, let's do it. So we, we put the information on a fax. We phoned them back. Facts. Uh, no, I mean, come on. Well, come on, Roger. I'm not that old. Do we have to explain facts as well? <laughs> <laughs> and um, we, 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 we gave them a call and we said, can we book the room? Yes. We had all the details. We passed that across and we said, can you take a full payment when they leave? That's not a problem. And we said, normal agents commission. And they said, fine. We put the phone down and wondered what that was. Yeah. And so what you, basically, what you basically did was you moved an existing business that had some, some influence in, in, in travel accommodation and so yes. on into a brand new market, not, not really by accident. I'm not going to say, <laughs> <laughs> but having done that and in essence, having seen a gap in the market, I mean, you, for a business now to be 17 years down the line, you must have led that business 
in many different ways through many different circumstances. What, what we looked at from the business and the vision of the business was number one, we, we saw the travel agent market changing. Uh, and right. we saw this in advance of, of what other people were looking at. Um, so we said, if we're going to you know, be in this market, we're going to sell at exactly the same price. We're not putting money on top. So we want to come in with added value. We didn't have any budget to advertise. So it was all about service. It was speed of response. It okay. was the um, knowledge that we had about the properties. And our objective was to become the biggest supplier for each individual castle. Now, for the four castles that we found, we became the biggest supplier in four months. So you, in effect, became the the middleman between the customer and the castles. And you, as a consequence, were advertising and marketing the services of the castles. But you were building your own brand through doing that. Absolutely. Yeah, We, we were building an audience for this niche. And in fact, it's a micro niche for a specific customer that wanted to look online um, was English speaking at the time and could um, afford to come and travel and experience um, a castle in, in Scotland as it was where we started off. Okay, but you've, you've, you've broadened it much now. Well, we, much we have. As we've got more into the market and understood it more and, and then, then actually stayed in these castles, we started to share that, that knowledge and we started to find other castles. And in fact, actually other castles found us because we needed them to understand how the internet worked. And from there, then, we've helped expand their businesses. Right. So you, you said there, when, since you've been and stayed in some of these castles, now, I know, that, I know what the castle experience is like, because mm-hmm. as part of our mastermind group, we actually experienced that with you. But how important do you think, as, as a leader in this field, in this business, how important do you think it is for you to actually have that experience that your customers would be having? It, it's critical, Leslie, for, for the simple reason that if I've not experienced it and I don't know the teams within these properties and the owners and what can be achieved, how can I advise a client? How can I um, say that this castle will offer you X and this castle will offer you Y? Um, people come in and they want the, the fairy tale experience or they might want a wedding or a specific event. And we can pinpoint that down, not just to a castle, but also to a room, if it was a room within a hotel. Uh, So that knowledge is key, and we have to pass that through our team as well. Right. Now, you started this yourself. You're talking about knowledge being key, and you started this business yourself. But now, I mean, you're advertising over 90 unique castles and, in fact, some chateaus as well in France to you know talk me through some of the steps as a, a person leading that business to where you are now with as you call it the team okay um, well i think when you start off a new business <clears throat> you've got to have immense passion for the product the service whatever that might be you've also got to have this undying belief that you can make this business work so when things go bad are difficult etc you've got to push through and my, wife, I re- <laughs> my yeah. wife, I remember looking at me one time and saying, why are you doing this, Roger? And I just had this belief that I could make this work. And when you're earning 34p an hour, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's a struggle and you're doing 20 hours a day. But that's what it took initially to get this going. And then as we, we built the many, team, Do you think too many people give up at that stage? I, I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people want stuff handed to them on the plate. But actually, I think that's part of the fun. 
because as an entrepreneur, what I love is starting and doing. I like to get my hands dirty to understand the market and then from there develop the team around me to take that forward because I'm then on to the next thing and I want to give them the structure in place to continue to grow the business. But, but you have to bring together such a, such a skill set. I mean, you, you're talking there in essence about, um, about belief and about passion and that's all about mindset as well, you know, yeah. having that determination and that resilience. But I, I know a lot of people who have got a passion and have thought just because they have this particular interest or passion, they can turn it into a product that other people will, will buy. <laughs> Now, there's a huge difference between having an entrepreneurial mindset and having the tenac- that real tenacity and resilience to say, yes, but there is a market here. I mean, it takes more than just passion. It takes what you said earlier, that knowledge and that understanding of the fact that there was a potential market for, for what you were trying to, to sell, you know, experiences yeah. and hustles. Yeah. A lot of that came from the feedback we had from customers because I would speak to them personally on the phone, would follow up, and we, we, we got a picture of the experiences that we were sharing with these customers. But what very quickly happened is because they couldn't find this information elsewhere or didn't know where to look, there wasn't one point um, of authority really. Um, that feedback became really important, but they also shared that. So we would get calls or emails through such and such as said, we, we, we need to speak to you. And right. I suppose one of, one of the visions for, for our business, and I talk about this a lot with the team, is that if somebody somewhere in the world is sitting saying, I'd quite, I'm quite interested in the castle experience, I want two replies. Number one is you must look at the Celtic Castle's website. Yeah. Number two is you must speak to the castle man. And that's a brand that came on later on, really. Um, I would speak to the Americans and I'd say, oh, they call me the Castle Tart. Because <laughs> no, you've never taught me that before, Roger. All right, okay. You've never look- said that. I've always been very politely referred to as the Castle Man. Well, that's, that's twice now. <laughs> that might change uh, now. <laughs> But um, no, I'd say, oh, they call me the castle tart because I've slept in so many castles. And the American American customers just giggled. They loved it. But as a result, we were generating more business. So word was being spread even more. Now, we've got quite an entrepreneurial team. We'll have a go at stuff. And I'm really into that. I want people to have a go even if it doesn't work. So I was on holiday at the time. And Julie in the office said, "Um, we can't call him the castle tart. They wanted to put my picture on the website. (laughs) Let's call him the Castle Man. So that's where the Castle Man came from. And that, as a, as a personal brand, and I talk a lot about personal brand, that gave us another platform and another level of expertise. Right. Sometimes you can have um, an individual who has that really, really strong personal brand. Mm-hmm. And that works for them. Yes. But then when you try to develop that further, everybody just wants that, that original individual back to that, that, that brand. And how did you make that step change, that leap from being an individual with this high profile and high presence to mm-hmm. actually bringing a team in and getting a team to really underpin mm-hmm. and grow and develop the business the way it has? It's quite interesting because that was a bit of a dilemma for our brand because 
the Celtic Castles brand and the Castleman brand were very, very similar. Yeah, quite um, intertwined, really. Oh, absolutely. Um, and we, when we did some analysis, actually, with Leeds University, it was fascinating um, seeing what was coming out of that and our thoughts on how we, we moved the business forward. And what, what they fed back to us was exactly what we were thinking. So that, again, builds confidence. But what we've done is we push the team out into the castle so they develop relationships all the time. We show them as experts, but they then refer back in to me depending on where the client sits. Um, and I love being on the phones or on email with the team, but that's not my role um, in the business. Um, so that role's it, changed, that, that role shifted, has it? As, mu as much as I love hands-on with customers, and when I get it, I love it, but um, it's not about being in the business now, it's about being on it. So it's the vision of how I take this business to the next level. And I, I actually step out of the business for long periods of time, even though I'm on the periphery. So the team then have to develop it and drive it forward. And how big is this? How big is this team? It's it's only, we've only got fourteen in the team, so it's a 14, small one four. Yeah, yeah okay. one four. Um, and from from that aspect, they we, we use a, a a tool called projectization, um, where they come up with ideas for the business and we support that. So they will lead themselves a project, uh, and they will have followers on that. Now that might that. That'll be an idea that they, they'll have come up with and we'll support that and drag it through the business. So projectization, what you're doing basically is you're empowering the individuals in the team to think creatively, to look for opportunities, to, to in essence, adopt entrepreneurial thinking and, and uh, absolutely. processes. Yeah? And if you take it forward, what you're saying then is they also then almost step up mm -hmm. To the, to the mark and take some accountability and some responsibility and particularly some leadership in terms of ownership as the leader of that, that particular area or idea that they've identified. Uh, absolutely. And you, you have to give them room to grow. So for example, we created a gift voucher product within the business. Okay. And I have this vision of we should have 400 gift vouchers. Well, we started with six. Then we went to put <laughs> We're now going to, as they gain confidence and skills. So what we don't do is we don't give the team all the answers. You give them what? The questions? Or well, the we, we, we will, or? We will they will come up with the idea. They'll projectize it. And through one-to-ones together, we work forward. So yes, we will ask questions. We will sow seeds and they will go out and build the elements that they're responsible for. Oh, but you mustn't, oh, oh, I'm sitting here with thinking, oh, you must at times be saying, oh, but I know what I want you to do. I know what I need oh. you to do. And oh, off you go, go, do it, do it, do it, do it. You must so want to just tell them. Oh, it's, it's amazing, Leslie, actually, because I can see what the business looks like five and 10 years down the road. I know what size the business will be. I can see the procedures and what in, but we've got to leave the team to develop that. How do you know what your business will look like in 10 years? Um, simply because I'm already there. Um, I know the market so well. <laughs> I, I know the market so well. Yes, things change, technology changes, etc. We've got to be ahead of that. We've got to look at new stuff coming in and how we use it. But if I look at the growth that we've had over the last 15 years, and I know where I want to go to. The, the mission, purpose, and value of our business has been the same from day one all the way through. The team right. understand that. So 
I, I know what it looks like and I'm already there. What I have to do is help them move that business forward. But so, by, by being out of it and not in it, that yeah. gives me a different perspective on it. So what you're saying to me is, first of all, you have to have the passion. Mm-hmm. And the passion has to be, has to have a real belief because there are going to be hard times. There's going to have to be that, that mental strength to drive through those difficult times. Secondly, you need to have a clear mission and purpose right from the start that, that is going to be the core. It sounds as if that is, is almost the DNA around which everything in your business operates. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd also add to that the value set for the business. Right. Uh, so mission, purpose, and values. Mission, purpose, and values. Right. Thirdly, what you're then saying is the branding is critical and you can have personal brand and business brand working together effectively as long as you're quite clear where those boundaries sit and the expectations and the boundaries are, are clear as far as everyone is concerned, yeah? And, and clear not just to the team, but also to customers coming into the business for the first time. Okay. Then, and I think this is where the, the real power comes in, what you're saying is you have to build the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And what you've done, and what I, I think is so, is so impressive when I've ever seen you work or talk with people, is you want to get that knowledge out of yourself mm-hmm and share it and help other people develop it because you see that as a way of them developing and supporting the growth in the business. Whereas I see so many leaders holding that old adage of um, knowledge is power. Therefore I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. And you know, I'll I'll only tell you what I think you need to know, But, but you're actually challenging that. You're not only saying you need the knowledge. You're saying I have some of it and I ain't going to give it to you. You're going to find it out for yourself, but I'll keep you on the right track. Is that what yeah. you do? Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And we make it fun. I mean, they have a challenge. They've, they've got responsibility. They've got to produce a result at the end of the day. And it's interesting because little techniques are very, very useful. So, for example, um, we started to write blogs um, and we got blogs going, but there weren't enough of them. And I wanted a blog a day. So how do we get a, a, how do we get a blog a day? How do you get five a day? <laughs> well, absolutely, and and eventually, yes, it will be. How do we get five blogs a day? Because we then put measurement criteria in. So a simple spreadsheet. Let's measure the number of blogs we do in a month and report back on it at our team meetings. Then we'll look at how do we build that and take it further to the point then that how many people read the blog and how many people fill the form in from the blog. So this measurement criteria is built up over, over an element of time. Right. So you are using analytics. I mean, you, you're a very strong believer in using analytics to help. You've got to. You've yeah. got to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then they take that responsibility. They get pride because the results come through. They see the business that's coming through. They start to believe in it themselves and they drive it forward then at a pace. I can step off. They just report on it once a month and then I'm okay. on to the next thing. So it's back, it's back again to this sense of ownership, responsibility, which, which in turn, you said they, they develop pride in, in what they're doing there. Absolutely. Now, I can, see, I can see that parallel in the work that we actually did together. And just to, to set that into context, we, formed a, we were part of a mastermind group. Yeah. Yes. Um, I know what it meant to me. To me, <clears throat> mastermind is about brainstorming, support, 
helping each other achieve success. But for me, it was more about getting my backside kicked regularly by you, Roger. I think that whole, um, you were the one person in the group who would always basically tell me to cut all the fluff, cut the nonsense and get a grip. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, accountability was, I think peer accountability was a big issue for us. <laughs> now, that mastermind group, as we worked together, there was a, an opportunity arose. And I can see the parallels from what you've just, just told me. So, just for the listeners, very, very briefly, because we've only got a couple of minutes, explain how we saw an opportunity and then how we actually capitalized on that, but used everything <clears throat> said about helping people to take responsibility and ownership the mastermind group came together to help each other individually in their specific businesses but what we quickly realized is we had a huge amount of talent around the table um well thank you very much for that i'll write yeah. that down <laughs> <laughs> but but no we did we had a huge amount of talent and as individuals um i mean i i i use a line a lot you can't achieve anything on your own you can achieve so much, but it's all about team, team, team. And because of the trust that we had within this mastermind group, we had created a very, very solid team. And we, we looked at the education area and how could we move and, and create confidence within young people. And we got a focus and we developed a product called Find My Voice. And you'll remember it very, very well. Yeah, we Find My Voice, it. yes. Yeah. And from there, we got an income back on that. So we actually developed a product that we could sell with the skill that was around the table. Now, that's not, not normally how mastermind groups were. No. It's about helping individuals. But we got a huge amount of value from that, a huge amount of learning. And from there, had a product to sell at the end of the day. Um, but mastermind groups, for me, it's about sharing experiences that happen at different times in our businesses. And we all have different sizes of businesses and we've got different experience. So if somebody has an issue, we can club together and give them feedback. They go away and have a think about it. But the mastermind group also holds individuals accountable. And I think that's one of the key lessons yeah. of bringing different groups together. And that's what, that's what, in essence, you've been telling me you do with your team in the workplace through the use of analytics and through the use of the, you know, your projectization. And, and you're basically putting in place systems and procedures to help the individual to take that responsibility and ownership and, as a consequence, grow as a leader in whatever it is they are doing at that point in time. There's been so much there in terms of talking about business development, um, you know, your, your strategies for, for business, uh, how you go from being an individual into a, a basically a, t a team mm -hmm. scenario and an awful lot of individual lessons. But if I was to say, give me almost in, in three sentences, three top tips for anybody who is either an existing leader um, and wants to just basically step up their game or is a, a manager aspiring to be a leader? You know, what would be three key top tips that you would give to somebody? How do you begin to learn to lead more effectively? Well, well I think the first thing is you can't achieve it all on your own. You've said it that, is yeah. about, It is about team, team, yeah. team. Um, I think you shine as an individual if the people that you're leading uh, develop more than you or you give them, you know, that, that scope to go. So and, sharing, and, that sharing and that knowledge. Yeah, that go and multiply that, that vision, yeah. et cetera, because they will make you look good as a leader as well. Okay. Um, 
And I think the other thing is to develop and don't give the team or the individual all of the answers. Yeah. <laughs> Support them and coach them through. Even though you may have a vision of what it looks like, let them find it and support them. Do you know, I'm, I'm sitting here now just thinking back to some of our mastermind meetings when I would, I would put my question or my issue on the table and you would smile wryly and sit back. And I now know that if I was inside your head, you had the answer. I think to be fair, Leslie, I maybe didn't, I had an answer, maybe not the answer, yeah. but I, I, was, I was pulling out what I could. You were, you were. And Roger, I have to thank you for everything you did to help me to develop my business. But I also have to say a huge thank you for the uh, discussion we've had today. Uh, there's another entire aspect to the work that you do, though, which is all about mentoring. And you've been involved in a lot of different mentoring groups from CEOs right down to one-to-one -one work. Yes. Um, we haven't had time today to even touch on that or mention it. So what I'm going to ask you is, would you be prepared? Can I inflict myself on you for another half hour at some stage in the future to talk specifically about mentoring? Because mentoring is something that an awful lot of individuals think they engage in, but uh, quite often confuse it with coaching and other forms of development. And I'd just like to pick your brains a bit about that in the future, if you'd be prepared to do that. I'd be delighted to, Leslie. It's about sharing and the more we yeah. share the more the more we all achieve as individuals and as, as as people surrounded by those individuals well roger that's been fantastic so if anybody wants to go and rent a castle we know where to go celtic castles if anybody wants to to find out some of the history and the information about castles we now know the font of all knowledge is the castle man um, or the castle tart as <laughs> as I have discovered today. So Roger, thank you so much for your time. That's been absolutely brilliant. And I'll speak to you again soon. Thank you, Leslie. One of the key things that Roger said in this interview is that you have to have passion and belief. Now, as well as my passion for developing leaders, I also have a passion for dogs. My belief is that there is a very strong metaphor that we can use the human interaction as a pack leader with a dog to show how you can develop the skills, the attributes and the core behaviours that you need as an effective leader. Now Roger also used some key vocabulary that I just want to recap. He talked about collaboration, about expectations, about boundaries, about developing the team and developing trust as a result. He also mentioned ownership, responsibility, and accountability. When I am working together with my dog, I am collaborating. I have to set clear expectations of his behavior, and I also have to be very clear about the boundaries, first of all, of our relationship, and secondly, of how I expect and will allow him to respond. I, as the leader, have to take ownership within this relationship. He is my responsibility as my follower. But as the leader, I am accountable, yes, for my actions, but also for the outcomes of his actions. So by working together with my dog and building on my passion and my belief, we are developing that relationship and trust. So the question I'm going to leave you with 
is very simple. What is your passion? What is your belief? And how are you using these to underpin your development as an effective leader? See you next time. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Leslie and her book, Who Put You in Charge? Go to lesliehunter.com. There you can also join the pack, a free membership group where you'll receive regular hints and tips from Leslie, as well as access to some great leadership resources. So how are you doing as a leader? See how you measure up by downloading Leslie's free iPad app, the Effective Leader Scoreboard, available on iTunes. We'll see you next week for another edition of Leadership Unleashed. Leadership Unleashed.